BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. You're listening to the Wild 7 Podcast Network. Listen different. Family. Family. We named our daughter Family because once she was born, we officially became one. <laughs> Family! Where are you, silly? Oh, well, you know, Family was such a sweet little girl. Cute as a button. Even had her own self-evident catchphrase. I'm Family! But, uh, there's something about Family that we didn't know. That's right. We just had no idea that... Family? There you are! Is also family? A shape shifting, flesh eating demon. In the words of Alex Rogers. Episode 13, Love Letter to Lynch. Hello. You have reached Alex Rogers. Please leave a message after the tone. Wouldn't that be amazing if this episode was actually that, that you do hear this beep and then you have to leave a message, a half hour long message to me. Wow, a do-it-yourself podcast where I just sit back and you all talk to me. Something for the future. How y'all doing today, my lovely, gorgeous friends? This is Alex Rogers. Recording and reporting from a timeless zone in which your listening is the now. Welcome to the now. Welcome, my friends. 
Well, here we are. It is happening. It is happening again. It is happening again. For those of you who don't know what I was doing back there, that is a quote from one of the best TV series ever made, Twin Peaks. And that quote is apropos to this episode. Sometimes I have a lot to talk about from my own life. And sometimes I just don't got jack shit to say about my life. I mean, I, I'm sure I do, but I feel like it's just repetitions of what I've already uh, railed against your ears up to this point in previous episodes. I've already complained about so much, and I've already pontificated about so much. Well, I can't promise that this episode will be free of complaint nor pontification, but I, certainly there will be pontification. But uh, stepping away from my own uh, self-generated dramas, uh, I'm thinking about the great cinema of drama, uh, the great cinema of horror, of comedy, of mystery, and all of those genres can be found in the movies of one of my cinematic heroes and truly, I'd say, my favorite living director, David Lynch. Some of you maybe have seen his films. Some of you maybe haven't. And some of you maybe are fans like me and some of you might be utterly repulsed and scared. (laughs) However... Uh, I think he's one of the greatest directors that we have. And um, one can uh, classify him as a surrealist, perhaps. Um, I certainly would, and uh, that's a good thing for me. In short, my friends, the movies that I enjoy, they can't be too on the nose. They can't be a straight narrative. Um, They can be. Some things are very straightforwardly told, uh, and you understand every moment, and all the characters are right on, and everything is synced up and cinched up, and yeehaw, and wahoo, and it's great. And we often like lots of movies that we can completely follow linearly, and um, I also enjoy weird shit. Um... And that, of course, is an oversimplification of, uh, perhaps, shall we say, um, uh, a genre-bending experience. Uh, Films that, uh, I I like when people go, that movie was heavy, man, it really makes you think. (laughs) I I think that's a very funny phrase. That that makes you think. I mean, I, I like things that don't make you think so you know you gotta watch out for this one because uh you know if you weren't if you weren't planning on it well it's gonna make you think i love thinking i'll tell you what kind of thinking i'm not into is anxious spirals serpent eating its tail of uh depressed illusion that we often find ourselves overthinking and underthinking and around, 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 around about thinking. 
But I like to also dive in to the light and shadows that are in the play of imagination. And I feel like David Lynch walks that line between absolute absurdist, grotesque, beyond the meta of dream world, and also very relatable, everyday, cup of coffee, plate of donuts, good guy, bad guy, light and dark, good and evil. I already said goodbye, bad, goodbye, goodbye, bad guy. If only. Uh, Good guy, bad guy, um, blonde brunette, the whole gamut of opposites and likeness. I think he covers it all. And I've been getting back into his films as of late. And I, I always do. Every few years, I get back into a Lynch zone. And, um... Here's the thing, folks. If you're not familiar with him, you got to know the guy dives deep. So you're in for strong R-rated experiences. Lots of violence. Lots of rape. Uh, And if it ain't rape, it's... uh, Actually, by the way, not lots of rape. Um, There are a few films that have rape in it. Uh, There also are uh, a lot of films with just uh, sexually perverse, scary... Uh, victim moments, uh, definitely some uh, uh, intense shit. And at the same time, the guy will have people enjoying a cherry pie, their coffee. Um, There's a lot of love in his scripts, in his stories, in his characters. A lot of family love, a lot of romantic love, a lot of love for the mysteries of life. And there's also a lot of fucking terror, too. He's also goddamn funny. He's also just beyond fucking hysterical in a lot of his work. The characters that he infuses his mind with speak in a way that, um, not all the time, but he's often known for having people have a kind of 50s gumshoe dime store pulp novel vernacular. But they nevertheless are walking the world of uh, an often contemporary place. And um, I think if you want to kind of go back into previous films that kind of hit it before uh, Lynch has stepped in, you got to check out, I'd say, Fellini. Arguably, I'd say, well, for me, my favorite Italian director. And... um, one of the greatest directors ever, and another guy who brought dreams to the screen. Now look, everyone, we dream. You dream, I dream. Even you, Mrs. Milligan, I know you dream. I heard you talking in your sleep last night. Sorry, Mrs. Milligan, I was trying to say sleep, but then my lips sent a little So, but yes, everyone here dreams. And we've had nightmares, and we've had angelic reveries. So wouldn't you want to see more movies that actually show that? And 
what if the film wasn't as literal as characters are awake and life is normal and then they go to sleep and the world is crazy and dreamlike? What if the dividing line is obscured? And what if in the waking narrative of these characters on screen, they're having strange visitations from people and even, well, I dare say creatures Where are they coming from? This world? Another world? So I I mentioned Fellini earlier. He he had done a lot of that as well. Um, Kind of a sense of uh, visitors from anything from the afterlife to from another dimension. um, Perhaps a past that we don't understand. A future that we don't understand. Well... My first experience ever with David Lynch, I was ready for it, and I didn't even know it, and I didn't know who he was. And I was a a young man who was already absorbing a lot of cinema. By this time, I had already sumptuously soaked up uh, plenty of 60s and 70s classics, I was getting into guys like Peckinpah, Coppola, Eastwood, Hal Ashby, John Borman, Brian De Palma. And also at the time, we're talking about early 2000s. So I'm also seeing, uh, you know, the, the first works of Guy Ritchie, Christopher Nolan, and of course... I'm coming from the 90s of having absorbed the brilliance of Quentin Tarantino. So all of this was part of my jetpack into the discovery of David Lynch. And it came about because, funny enough, and this is so Lynchian, the fact that there was another David, not Lynch, but my friend David Feather... And we were hanging out, two drama nerds, he and I, and I was, uh, come, I, I thought it would be so funny, and I, and I voiced this opinion to him. I said, man, wouldn't it be funny if there was a movie where it's about this guy, let's say, and he's doing his stuff, and, and then just mid-movie, he just is suddenly just replaced by a different actor and even a different name, and there's just no explanation for it, and everyone just kind of has to go along with it. And he looks at me and goes, oh, you mean like Lost Highway? What's Lost Highway? And man, when he said that title, I felt like this, like this chill, this little zap into my senses. Lost Highway, what's that? Well, he proceeds to tell me that that is one of the I, I, the word convention came up, but there's got to be a better word. One of the uh, one of the turns of events in this film is that yes, our main character, due to a sort of psychological crossroads, finds himself in the throes of a metamorphosis, and yes, a brand new actor and therefore character, different name, different backstory shows up in his place, and we follow that storyline. So, 
18, 17, 18-year-old me at the time is is that I'm sold. I'm like, wait, 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 a, a movie like this actually exists? Someone really did this? And my friend David Feather told me about David Lynch, and he said, yeah, man, I mean, you got to be ready for him. He is, he is out there, he is surreal, and he's scary. And he recommended to me, watch that shit in the dark. Uh, <laughs> and I have ever since. The best way to watch David Lynch is indeed in uh, the darkness of your own comfort, or indeed the comfort of your own darkness. Take thy pick and pick thy poison. So, this is the early 2000s. Not everyone, including me, uh, had a DVD player. So, I'm still using the VHS tapes. Oh yeah, baby, that's how old I am. I, it's not, it wasn't just fun and vintage to just get a VHS tape and go, look, doesn't it look so relevant? <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, I fucking, like, that's how you had that you you had to watch movies that way. You would rent them from the video store and pop that sucker in and oftentimes it had bad tracking and the picture quality would suck and then you'd be like, "Well, motherfucker, whoever had this tape before me really messed it up." It was uh perfect by the way that I got a VHS tape of Lost Highway when I first saw it because VHS tapes play a very scary part in that story. All right, so what I'm going to do, folks, 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 can we just take the K out of folks? I think that fricative is very triggering. So from now on, can we pronounce folks as foes? Uh, but that makes it sound like they're foes, like enemies. Okay, I don't appreciate how you're talking to me. I need a double triggering therapist here. All right, guys. Uh, sorry. Back to the main point. Um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to uh, go through David Lynch films in the order of how I saw them. Not necessarily take you through his whole, uh, you know, uh, filmography because you got the old Wikipedia for that. So, um, my first experience was Lost Highway. And in terms of his career, that's, that's later on. Now, I have no context with, uh, uh, of this guy. Of? With? Around? Uh-oh. He reached his preposition point. Preposition point. Ooh, that's, that's gonna be my movie one day. It's gonna be kind of a Hitchcockian, David Lynchian mystery. Where's the preposition at? <gasps> preposition point. So, Lost Highway is made in 1997, I believe. And I'm watching it about four years after it was made. So it's still pretty recent. And up to this point, it's his most recent movie. And, uh, man scared the fucking shit out of me and in the best of ways. I didn't really understand up to this point that there could be a movie that feels like a horror film while not having really any of the obvious tropes of horror, but also kind of a beautiful, grotesque mystery and some kind of sorcery going down. Um... To give you an example of what you're in for in Lost Highway, uh, 
there's a lot of just kind of surreal conversations that start out the film between a husband and a wife who are clearly getting disconnected, but they live in like a house made of shadows that's swallowing them up. Every time they move, they're, they're constantly kind of half obscured or fully obscured in their own house by these shadows. So already we're coming from a weird home. Um, and anyway, they go to a party. And this is, I, I, boy, I could just go through the whole film, but that would take up the whole episode, and quite frankly, you should just watch the movie. But let me uh, whet thy appetite with this little teaser right here. They, they go to the party, the husband and wife. The husband goes to get the wife a drink, and a weird-looking dude comes up to him. Uh, kind of like, kind of looks like a sort of powdered-faced magician. Um, or like even a sort of, uh, doll, like a, like a man, like a dummy doll kind of brought to life. He's a weird looking guy and he comes up to him and the music of the party kind of hushes down and everything kind of becomes a tunnel vision of focus. And the two look at each other and this guy, he actually, the character name is the mystery man. So the mystery man approaches that husband character and he says, We've met before, haven't we? Uh, <laughs> I don't think so. Um, where is it you think we've met? At your house, don't you remember? Uh, no, I, I don't. Uh, and then... I, I kind of forget what the next bit of lines are, but the, but then the mystery man goes, as a matter of fact, I'm there right now. What do you mean you're where right now? At your house. That's fucking crazy, man. <laughs> and everyone laughs at that point because that is fucking crazy. But by the way, Bill Pullman plays the husband. He He plays it so well. He says like, that's fucking crazy, man. <laughs> so the mystery man proves to him that he is both there in front of him at the party and at his house because he hands him a cell phone. And by the way, this is 1997. So boy, a cell phone. This is a this is a commodity with big chunky buttons and a huge antenna. You know what's up. He calls from there to his house. And sure enough, you hear on the other end of the phone. I told you I was at your house. And then he looks at the mystery man and goes, how did you do that? To which the mystery man at the party says to him, ask me. To which he asks the phone, how did you do that? You invited me. Ah! Fucking scary. Uh, in fact, as the mystery man gets a kick out of this, he and his voice on the phone from the dude's house both laugh at the same time. So he in the party goes, hum, 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 and you hear on the phone the, <laughs> oh my God. So that right there, I think also is exem an example of the kind of tension and creepiness and like 
from another world horror that you're in for. Um, Lost Highway is beautiful, uh, strange, surreal. Also, those are useless adjectives because those are going to be applied to each one of his films. Um, But lots of black, lots of red, and also a lot of um, sort of L.A. sunsets and some bright days, too. It's a, it's a strange thing. And, and the, 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 as promised before, there is a metamorphosis in which that character does indeed become somebody else. And that character is much younger, uh, this great actor, Balthazar Getty. Now, what's crazy is we have one woman who is the same, at least actress who plays her wise but she has a different name and seemingly as i hit the microphone here seemingly a different background uh check it out that's lost highway the next one i saw was blue velvet and that's another big one in his name and and also it happens to be uh, this is now this is 1986 so it's earlier And he's made a few films up to this point. And this is the one that really establishes his full, the feel of things I described earlier, like the 50s catapulted into contemporary times with a darkness that's coming out of the shadows, out of space, out of the abyss, out of the closet, up from under the grass. Um, speaking of, let me just give you the opening to what you're in for with Blue Velvet. And by the way, just in terms of how we create things from the dream world to a tangible world like a film, I read that for David Lynch, Blue Velvet started with really just three things. The image of lips, female lipstick painted lips the song blue velvet and i think he said also like green grass or maybe blue skies but he saw another he just saw the some colors and the lips and the song and then boom the rest just came out so how cool that all of this like everything it's just a little kernel a little seed and then from that comes an actualized dream. Well, Blue Velvet, you feel like you're in a 50s neighborhood. It opens up with the bluest of blue skies, the reddest of red roses, the greenest of freshly mowed lawns, a nice big bright red fire truck, and even the fireman, he's waving kind of a hello to all the neighbors. The sprinklers are out, it's sunny, it's summer, and then there's an old man, he's watering his plants. We even hear this iconic song, Blue Velvet, she wore blue velvet, sorry for my bad singing, I try to be funny, not a trained singer, and I hope I did the other one too. Um, so yeah, uh, 
this is uh, you, you, you have the whole image of what I described there. Suddenly, the old man, <gasps> he seizes up with what looks like a stroke. Something bad's going on. Uh, he falls down. The, the, the hose that he was using is now spraying all over the place. You got one of the neighbor dogs going crazy. It comes up. It's barking. Ah! Something weird's going on. Then we tilt down into the grass. We go deep under the grass, deeper still, and there are just bugs, deep, dark, crawly bugs going just... So, there you go. The total duality. Sunny, bright, beautiful exterior, dark, sinister interior. And, man, Blue Velvet is a nightmare. And I joke about trigger warnings, but for real, folks, this is an, it, it, this is an excellent movie. I stand by it. This is a film that will take you everywhere emotionally, and you got to be ready for some ugly fucking behavior. And yeah, rape is one of the issues in this movie. And it and there's a scene that you've never seen before uh, that involves uh, some rape and some weirdness. And I'm sorry, it is what it is. But why go through it? Well, if you're into detective stories... If you're into um, sexual psychodramas, and not just psycho like, but you know, like psychological. Um, If you're into, um, well, you know, there's also, for all the, for, for the rape I mentioned, there's also a lot of consensual, passionate, but of course forbidden because it is uh, out of sight from those who would, uh, punish them if they knew um you know wonderful romance uh, that's going on forbidden romance uh and also blue velvet has one of the finest endings that i've ever seen um in terms of the fact that and i'm not going to spoil it but let's just say this you're you go through a nightmare and it has maybe one of the happiest endings I've ever seen, and it doesn't feel forced. It's one of the most well-deserved happy endings. And I'm not going to tell you what flavor of happy it is, but it's pretty fucking special. I believe so. Now, I had seen these two films, and then a friend of mine at the time, I was telling her that I'd been watching these movies, and she said, oh, well, you're going to watch his new movie that just hit the theaters, right? What? I, Christmas had come early, folks. I, I, this was my new favorite director. I had just seen Lost Highway and Blue Velvet. My mind is on fire. And suddenly he has a new movie and it just hit theaters? I don't even have to wait. All I have to do is get my friends together and go tonight, which is what we did. And that, my friends, was Mulholland Drive. Mulholland Drive, quite honestly, really helped influence my wanting to move down to L.A. <laughs> and for those who have seen it, you might think, why? That's <laughs> that whole movie is about the nightmares of L.A. And it's like, yeah, but you know what? Again, for every nightmare, there's a beautiful dream in Lynch's work. Um, 
A lot of people oversimplify him as too dark, or even some people think he's insensitive to, you know, the graphic things that you see from the massive violence. And by the way, we're talking Quentin Tarantino level of violence here, folks. So that means dismembered limbs, brains being blown out, heads being cut off, blown off, um, people exploding, cars exploding, people burning alive. I mean, you got to be ready for R rated madness and there's golden magic that is more special than anything a disney movie has tried to show us there's like jiminy cricket level wisdom of sweetness between people that will have you actually truly believing in mankind again um and, you know, uh, so, yeah, Mulholland Drive, God, I wouldn't even know what to describe it. All I can say is this. It's about trying to make it in Hollywood, but you've never seen this story before. And I, I will say this. In that movie, David Lynch gives us a free lesson in how to kill it at an audition. And our main character is initially... Naomi Watts does it so well. She's so fucking good in this movie. She's so good that we think she's a bad actress for the first half of that movie. That's how so fucking good she is in that movie. You truly think to yourself, because we didn't know, a lot of us didn't know who she was. This was the movie that kind of put her in a lot of people's eyes. So I remember thinking, God, this is either like the worst actress ever or he found someone who can pull this off and it truly was the latter and there's a so so she plays an actress who's trying to make her way through hollywood and the character naomi watts plays is just kind of like like really sweet well-meaning but we even think like oh 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 dear are do you do you really are you really going to try acting uh, okay and she goes in for an audition for a very basic kind of, uh, well, seemingly basic uh, soap opera kind of scene. And even the way she rehearses it, when you're watching her rehearse, um, it comes off so melodramatic and over the top. And even she doesn't really believe in what she's doing. But, you know, here we go. We're going to audition. In the moment while she auditions, the character that she's playing... So this is, this is, wow, this is a mirror looking into a mirror right here. So follow me here. The character, as she's auditioning for a character, finds the vulnerability in the scene. And what could have been played as a sort of way too operatic and disconnected scene between two people suddenly becomes this sensual, very intimate very sexy and also heartbreaking scene and anyway just by watching this character you get a free lesson on how you can turn shit around during an audition Hey there, my friends. This is Alex Rogers. Uh, and if you're listening up to this point, you might be thinking, well, yeah, duh, of course it's Alex Rogers. We've been listening to you from the start. Well, upon this moment, uh, this is now. What you heard was then. 
Uh, real talk, I'm about a month late on giving you guys an episode, and for that, I apologize. You know, sometimes on the hero's journey, you turn into a weak little bitch and you start going, where, 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 I believe in illusion. And then you get uh, caught up in your silly ways and you don't end up being productive and you get wasted time and no more rhyme. So uh, I'm picking up the pieces and uh, I doubted the uh, integrity of this episode, but you know, listening back, I've been digging this, you know? I love David Lynch. And when you're lost in the woods, it's good to find some heroes who have gotten you through the tangled parts before. So... I'm soaking up more David Lynch. We covered in this episode Lost Highway, Blue Velvet, and Mulholland Drive. Next episode, we're going to get into Wild at Heart and get into some Twin Peaks, baby. I really appreciate y'all's patience as I get myself together and come into my full chameleon form instead of the being the rock on which the chameleon rests, know what I mean? No, I don't know if you know what I mean. I don't know what I mean. I'm just glad we didn't know what we mean up to this point. And uh, more to come. This felt good to get into, to explore what is going on in the vision of a man who I admire. And uh, we'll get into more of his work next time. And through that, we'll find our way out of our own tangled woods, get back home. Until then, my friends, thank you for your time. Thank you for your rhyme. In the Words of Alex Rogers is a podcast orbiting the mothership of Wild 7 Studios. Music by Inca Rose. Keep your ears open for storyscapes, Simpin' After Dark, and other audio goodies from Wild 7. And keep your eyes open for its first feature-length film, Debbie and the Devil. You're listening to the Wild 7 Podcast Network. Listen different.